Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Especially as those listeners that are business owners, is don't ever lose sight of the folks that made you who you are today. Most notably, those are the folks that pay you for your service. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to mention Trevor McGregor. Trevor is a real estate results coach. I've been paying him and working with him for years now. He actually is responsible for giving me the idea to do a podcast. So it's not only about transactions that he gives advice on, how to find more deals, how to make more money but also how to build a holistic plan around your real estate entrepreneurship endeavors. That's what I love about working with Trevor, that and being held accountable for what I say I'm going to do and actually making sure that I follow through and do it. I feel like I'm a pretty results-oriented, accountable kind of person, but it's always nice to have someone who's there guiding you along the way and giving you strategy as well as psychology tips for how to deal with you know the things that come up as a real estate entrepreneur. Trevor has made a wonderful offer for the best ever listeners, and that is that he's offering a free coaching session. Go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-W-I-T-H-T-R-E-V-O-R.com. Highly recommend him. I've worked with him before. I'm currently working with him right now as my business, as my real estate investing coach. Highly recommend you do the same. Take him up on his offer. Get a free coaching session. Coachwithtrevor.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today, Sean Morrissey. How you doing, Sean? Good, good. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Well, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Sean. He is the owner broker at Chicagoland Realty Group Partners. He's a current landlord, he's a property manager, and he's a real estate broker owner of a real estate brokerage. He's performed real estate-related activity for almost 15 years, 14 to be exact, and he has a portfolio of 22 rental properties, and he's a manager of 180-plus units. He is based in Aurora, Illinois, and you can say hi to him at his website, which is in the show notes page. So with that being said, Sean, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, absolutely. I've been a landlord since 2003 and survived the bubble and all that good stuff of 2008. Got my broker license back in late 2006 and started practicing in early 2007, right? Which was probably the worst time ever. <laughs> <laughs> but, but having said all that, 
Ultimately, my niche back when I got my broker license, due to the fact that the market kind of tanked, was to target folks that needed to relocate for their job and ultimately couldn't sell. So we would assist them in renting the property because I'd been a landlord for a few years at that point, was involved in some different real estate investment clubs. So that was something I was comfortable with. That basically evolved into a property management company right around 2010. And then I opened up my own brokerage in 2011. So we've been open for about six years now, a little over six years. I've got a portfolio of, like you said, 22 properties, and we manage another 180 for folks in the western suburbs of the Chicagoland area. With your property management company, it sounds like it was something that evolved out of necessity rather than you thinking, okay, I want to create a property management company and then going to do it. Is that accurate? Yeah, I'll tell you what, what it really evolved from was just listening to the marketplace. So homes weren't selling renting was far easier than buying a home or selling a home. So I realized my specialty kind of basically lied there and it just evolved out of that. And some respects a blessing, but at the same time, took a little bit of persistence and understanding what would suit a third party owner best. And to this day, we've built a pretty good system, I think. With property management companies, the stereotype or the myth is that they don't really make money until you get to a large scale of properties that you manage. Say, I'm just plucking a number out of thin air, but say maybe 250 or 500 properties. Is that the case? Not in my opinion. And the reason I say that, and I'm feeling it to this day, is that really from, let's say, 2008 on, there's been so many great developments when it comes to technology or ways to streamline your management business that we've been able to profit quite well with 180 units. But to your point, there is certainly a benefit in the economy of scale of having more units and then it becomes less expense per unit and the profit becomes greater. So at the end of the day, while that factor certainly holds true, I believe there's been a lot of changes in the industry, at least from the local level, to make it a profitable venture. And what technology do you use in your company that helps you make it more profitable? Well, what we like to use is really online products that have been made available. And a lot of these have come out the last couple of years. So for instance, there's an application website we like to send tenants to, and it's called uh, rentapplication.net. They're basically one-stop shop, $40 a tenant. I mean, you can add your own fee if you want to, but at the end of the day, that's very streamlined. We use a management software. Now, you've got to reach a certain scale before you can start to afford a management software, or in our case, we also use an inspection software we pay for. But what I've come to find is that those particular software industries, because they're becoming more competitive, the price of those items is becoming less and less and less as the years go by. So your ability to manage a property as an individual landlord, like a property manager, is becoming closer and closer to that goal every day, I suppose. But even from a a property management perspective like us, it's given us the ability to have systems in place that are affordable. um, And we pass those cost savings along to the client, be it the landlord, and run an effective operation. What management software would you recommend? Well, we currently use Appfolio. So they're one of the big boys out there. And I should take a step back and say we used to use Buildium. And Buildium's another big product. And I I love Buildium as well, affordable product real-time reports. They do great things. But probably the two principal differences between Buildium and Appfolio or why we went with Appfolio when we did was that number one, tenants can pay their rent online for free. 
that's huge. Pushing online rental payments simplifies everything for everybody. The second of which is that Appfolio offers a call center, a 24-hour call center that we could provide to the tenants that we utilize that's very inexpensive and is proven to be very effective. So yes, that's why we've stuck with them over this course of time. Oh, that's beautiful. That is incredibly helpful. You've got 24-7 assistance via call center and that helps your staff for sure. Yeah, keeps expenses low on our end. And again, it's always finding a way to streamline the business, look for those efficiencies. And what inspection software would you recommend? We currently use Happy Inspector. Now, Happy Inspector, what's kind of funny with them, they've been around for, I want to say five, six years now, but they've branched off in all sorts of different industries where they're basically doing inspections, be it for safety reasons or operational systems reasons. But they initially got started in the landlording business as a form of documenting move-in and move-out inspections, quarterly inspections. And the great thing with them is that ultimately you're integrating your photos into your report. It can be done over a cellular connection or Wi-Fi, and the user experience is fantastic. I've tried some different softwares outside of that, haven't been as pleased as, as we've been with Happy Inspector. Now let's turn the table a little bit and let's put ourselves in the owner's shoes. And as an owner, we're looking for a property manager. What should we look for? I tell you what, this is something I've tried to focus a lot of my energy on over the last year, because I think it's one of those things that myself and our team can really provide value in and that we've ultimately evolved from a landlord to a property management company. And it's really all been based on the fact that it's come from my landlording experiences. So having said all that, there's five major points I tend to cover. The first of which with any landlord looking into a property manager is what's their fee structure going to be? Now, this could be a percentage of monthly rent, or it could be a flat fee. It could be a la carte, or it could be all-inclusive. And then ultimately, what does the fee not include? So that could be court filing paperwork, or a legal fee, or actually handling the eviction. So the more specific you can get on those questions, the better. So fee structure is a huge, a huge part. It's usually the first question every landlord asks, right? So yep. that's always huge. Should it be the first question every landlord asks, or should they be asking something differently first? In my professional opinion, no, it should not be the first question they ask. But as with everything else in our society, we become price sensitive. And while price is a huge component in the property management business, you got to focus on service from a landlord perspective and a property management perspective. I've seen all sorts of management companies pop up here in the Chicagoland area over the last 24 months that will manage your property for a dime. But the service you receive, it's going to blow up in your face. So you're going to want to focus on that service-oriented business first. How do you ask a question that qualifies a service? And if you're about to get to it in your five things, then just say, let me just keep rolling. Yeah, I tell you what, if it's all right with you, Joe, I'll just keep going. Keep on going. Um, yeah. All right. Here we go. So number two is what is the repair and maintenance system and how does that function? So like I had mentioned, we utilize a call center that 24-7, right? You can call an emergency call in and we'll issue out a work order right away to handle that for you. Or you can set it up through a website. And there's a lot of management companies that do that this day and age, but you certainly want to make sure that a 24-7 service is involved. Secondly, does that management company perform services in-house or do they contract out? And if they do contract out, what are those fees going to be? It's always tough, in my opinion, for a manager to say, hey, to rot out your toilet, it's going to be 50 bucks. Usually they'll say, we'll send someone out to rot a clogged toilet, but it's going to be anywhere from $30 to $80. While those general terms are nice, 
you really want to get as specific as you can with any question you ask a property manager so that you can really drill in on what you're getting involved with. And repair expense is just one of those. The other things we tend to recommend landlords ask property management companies is how is yard maintenance handled? So typically in a single family home, when we get under a quarter of an acre, we recommend that the tenant be responsible for yard maintenance. But if it's not maintained, how is that handled? If it's more than a quarter acre, do you want to roll that expense into the rent and just have a professional service come out? And then how is invoicing handled? Does the manager actually upcharge any repair fee that comes in? So while they may send out a third-party plumber to repair something at $100, if you get a bill for $130, why is that $30 so important to that manager and why do they upcharge? And there's a variety of folks out there that will or will not upcharge. I feel like that's a critical piece when it comes to the, the repair and maintenance side of things. Okay. All right. So rolling right along, rent collection. Um, this you know, is number some three? Of the questions, this is number three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Rent collection. When it comes to rent collection, you're going to want to ask that property management company, when is rent due and when is it considered late? So for instance, with our office, rent's always due the first, considered late after the fifth. If it's not paid by the fifth, well, then there's a late fee involved. And depending on the state you live in, that late fee and the, the legal terms of what can be done will come into play. So that could be, in our case, a 5% a month rent late fee, or it could be a daily late fee if the state permits that. Once that late fee is paid, who does that late fee go to? Does it go to you as the landlord, or does it go to the property management company for actually having to collect that rent? So that's always important. That can be a rude awakening for some folks if they do have tenants that pay late on a consistent basis. And, and, um, the other and, things you want to consider... It, isn't that just... Oh, go ahead, that just seems so ridiculous to have the property management company collect the late fees. That, to me, is the worst backwards type of structure to have possible with a management company because then they're incentivized to have the resident pay late so that they can get compensated. I believe in the back of my mind I've heard of that, but I think because I was like seeing red, once I heard of it, I blocked it out. Have you seen that? And you don't do that, do you? No, no, okay, we do okay. not do that. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. If the management company selects to keep that late fee, they have absolutely no incentive to have that tenant pay on time. So you got to run for the hills in that type of scenario. Yeah, and the ridiculous. same thing goes with the whole repair upcharge thing. And we don't do that. I know management companies that do do it. And either their clients are totally blinded by the fact that these upcharges are happening or they're okay with it. And I don't really understand the logic behind that either. So with either scenario, you really want to make sure you find a management company that's not going to keep that late fee, that's not going to upcharge on those repairs. Because at the end of the day, it's not necessary. It should all be part of the management. Well, yeah. And at the end of the day, in addition to that, it's not an alignment of interest. And then you two are going in different directions as soon as you sign the contract, because if they are collecting a fee on top of the maintenance, then they want more maintenance requests because then they'll be able to charge more fees. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So in either scenario, there's not much incentive for the management company to do what's right. Number four. So number four is inspections. Now, if the inspections are included as part of the management fee, you're going to want to find out how often are inspections performed. Now, I've seen this all over the board. Some management companies will say, hey, we're going to come out within the first 30 days of move-in, and we're going to make sure the tenant's maintaining the property, and then after that, just let us know if you want another inspection, and they may charge for that. Our office, we just charge per inspection per request. 
We used to set it up on like a quarterly inspection basis, but quite frankly, when we've done that, over the course of the first year, the tenant gets tired of having us walk in their door, the owners stop checking the inspection reports, and it becomes kind of a wasted fee. So we'll do move-in inspections, move-out inspections, and recommend one to two inspections a year, depending on the comfort level of the landlord. With that in mind, some management companies will include the inspection fee as part of the management fee. Now, the drawback behind all that is that, in my personal experience, the inspections themselves are the most expensive part of managing a property because it actually involves someone from your team driving to that property, spending anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour with that tenant, getting into the house, actually trying to get into the house, setting up that appointment with the tenant. So it drives a lot of cost, these inspections. However, they're, they're critical for the landlord. So understanding how that's structured as part of the management fee is going to be critical to any management system working long term and you'll want to do your due diligence there. So why wouldn't I want it built into the fee then as a owner? So we charge as a flat fee per request for owners. Now what the reason we do that is twofold. And I guess this is kind of answering the opposite of what you just asked. But at the end of the day, we're not being too abrasive to the tenants privacy. So we used to have it set it up on that quarterly basis, but at the end of the day, we had all sorts of issues getting to the property that third or fourth time because we just came by too much. And then at the same time, we'd have landlords that wouldn't check the report. So we just found it to be a waste of money based on the number of inspections. If you were to do the flip side and actually include it in the fee, there won't be any issue there. So long as the landlord and the manager have an expectation of how often is that property going to be inspected? Are you actually getting into the property and are you not copying the previous notes from the previous report? You want to make sure the photos that are taken are actually accurate and true to life for that particular time of year and the notes that are provided are up to date because we've seen reports where you may say kitchen sink leaks, but that leak was fixed two months ago and it just rolls over into the next report. So it's all going to be dependent on the inspection software you use and the, the management company you use. And again, it'll just be a part of the due diligence. Got it. And number five? Okay. Number five is insurance. So when it comes to insurance, you're going to want to be sensitive on the property management side of things as to what insurance policy do they have in place? What are the specific coverages and what are the dollar amounts of those coverages? So for instance, if they're going to have their own in-house crew do repairs, do they have the appropriate liability insurance in place to protect you as the landlord as well as their company should somebody slip and fall? Do they have the appropriate errors and emissions insurance in place if they're handling the lease and things of that nature? At the same time, does the management company require that the tenant have a renter's insurance policy in place? Some management companies will force push a renter insurance policy, meaning that if the tenant doesn't show proof of a renter insurance policy, that it'll actually be rolled into the rent as part of a monthly fee, which is kind of hard to believe, but it can happen. And then some property management companies won't do that at all. They'll just say, hey, listen, no insurance policy is required from the tenant, which can create a chaotic scenario if for some reason that tenant creates some kind of damage to the property and there's nothing in place. So that's always something you're going to want to be sensitive to. The second thing, or I should say the third thing, I'm sorry, when it comes to insurance is does the property management company require that the landlord add the property management company as an additional insured on the policy itself? Now, our company actually does that. We will say, hey, listen, 
if you want to have our office manage your property, you need to add us as an additional insured. So at the end of the day, if we send our inspector to the property and to check things out, it'll be cared for under the terms of that insurance policy. And making sure that that homeowner actually changes their policy over from, let's say, an owner-occupied to a non-owner-occupied will be critical as well, especially if they've lived in the property and they're just moving out. Great points. With insurance, when I was starting out, I didn't know all the different types of policies that my management company should have in place, like the errors and omissions policy and me having appropriate liability insurance. So who should we talk to in order to make sure that our property management company has the right stuff? Because they're probably going to say whatever they're doing currently is fine. So who can we talk to to make sure that that is the case? My recommendation would be to speak to a commercial insurance broker, somebody who sees a variety of policies, somebody who's handling business policies will be critical. So to pick up the phone and call your home insurance or your auto insurance agent, I don't think they're going to have the knowledge base or the experience base to answer some of those questions appropriately. At the same time, too, there's organizations out there like the National Association of Residential Property Managers, right, or NARPM. It's a useful organization for any property manager to be a part of. But as a landlord, it wouldn't hurt to pick up the phone and say, hey, who would you recommend when it comes to insuring my home as a landlord properly? Or what should I look for when it comes to a property manager and their insurance? They've got some resources that'll help as well. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, I tell you what, I would say to any listener out there that is aspiring to be a real estate investor, which I always think is a huge draw to these podcasts. I think, number one, you got to have that breaking point where at the end of the day, you're going to buy your first property. At the same time, you've got to get involved with individuals that are doing this type of activity on a regular basis. So that could include joining a local RIA club, listening to podcasts like your own, Joe, or at the end of the day, picking up a few books and getting involved. It could also involve interviewing your local property manager. I hear all the time, I mean, property managers are a wealth of information when it comes to local activity. And if you're someone that's just starting out, at the end of the day, they can provide you that wealth of knowledge as well. So yeah, specifically to our podcast today, I would go with that. We're going to do a lightning round. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. Let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Did you achieve all your real estate goals? Well, if you did, congratulations. Fist bump to you. If you didn't, then go to coachwithtrevor.com. Trevor McGregor is my business coach, my real estate coach. He's also been a guest on the show, episode 320. He is offering a free coaching session for the best ever listeners. Just go to coachwithtrevor.com and it'll help you to achieve your real estate goals. Running your real estate investments as a business is an important ingredient to your success. Pillars of Wealth Creation Podcast will help you get there. Host Todd Dexheimer interviews successful entrepreneurs to discover how to build financial freedom with a focus on business and real estate. Check out pillarsofwealthcreation.com and subscribe today. Okay, Sean, best ever book you've read? My favorite book these days is one I read this past summer. It's called What Would the Rockefellers Do? And it's by a gentleman by the name of Garrett Gunderson. A lot of it comes down to cash flow efficiency. For those of your listeners that have studied up on cash flow banking, there's a good portion on cash flow banking. So I recommend you pick that one up or, or download it for your Kindle. Best ever deal you've done? 
Best ever deal I have done was my first portfolio purchase a few years back. It was purchasing nine condominiums from one individual. And the reason I say it, it's my best is, and I guess there's a few reasons. The first of which is that it was the first time I've used commercial finance. And once you enter that realm, there is no going back, right? I mean, it's just, it's just the best. The second reason is just the performance those properties have had. And we've had a roughly a 10% increase in rents over the last 18 months. We've seen an appreciation of those properties of right around 40% over the last 18 months. So I was fortunate enough to buy it right and be able to find the opportunities to raise those rents and stabilize those properties. And it's been a good thing. You're going to be doing a cash out refinance since you've got such great appreciation? Yeah, that's the game plan. I'm actually doing a cash out refi right now on some other properties I have, but those nine, I'll probably line up for probably a refi around 2019 and see what opportunities are out there at that point. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Well, like so many folks, actually buying in 2007 was pretty bad, but (laughs) ultimately what I did back then is I bought a single family home here locally for a family. I, I basically set it up as a lease option where I bought it for a family that had fantastic income. They had poor credit, but it was all due to things they couldn't control, like medical bills, things of that nature. So they were good lease option candidates back then. Unfortunately, I bought it at the top of the market, and it kind of backfired on me just based on what happened at that time. But at the end of the day, you know, the way I set up that lease option was with a $10,000 option fee. Looking back, I would have gotten more like $30,000, made it harder to walk away. At the same time, too, I structured it in such a way where there would be rental credits provided. And while those were effective, those credits probably weren't enough either to make that buyer want to stick with the deal. So it was frustrating in that regard. But if the property cash flows and you never sell, it doesn't really matter what you bought it for. So was it not cash flowing after they left? It was breaking even. Part of that was due to the way I set up financing at this point. Now, I still continue to own that property and it does cash flow and it does all right. But at the same time, too, that property has taught me that there's so much more leverage in multifamily and single family homes are great, but so many expenses can be tied up in repairs on a single family home that I'm more of a proponent of multifamily these days and buying in bulk. Best ever way you like to give back? Well, what I recommend folks do, especially as those listeners that are business owners, is don't ever lose sight of the folks that made you who you are today. Most notably, those are the folks that pay you for your services. So for instance, our office last month, we invited all the tenants we've ever managed, all the landlords we've ever represented, all the buyers and sellers we've ever represented. And we basically rented out a a movie theater the day after Star Wars 8 came out. And we had Santa and Mrs. Claus show up in the whole bit and everybody got to watch the movie for free. And I'll tell you what, folks that have kids, they're thrilled about that event because A, they're like, even a ton of money on movie tickets. The kids are super juiced on Star Wars and they're just super appreciative. So it's things like that we like to do to really give back. And it's really giving back to those individuals that have given us so much over the years when it comes to a brokerage. So to any business owner out there, don't forget who puts food on the table. That's critical. That's a really cool idea. Glad you shared that. And creative. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? We are launching a podcast. And for what it's worth, the website there is going to be landlordingforlife.com. You can also search it on your local podcast station, or you can check out our brokerage website, which is chicago-realty-group.com, or you can email me. And my name is Sean Morsey. You can email me at Sean, S-E-A-N, middle initial R for Richard, and then Morsey is M as in Mary, O-R-R, 
I-S-S-E-Y at gmail.com. That's my personal email if you have any questions. Sean, really informative conversation. Thank you for sharing time with us and your expertise. One, for anyone looking to make money as a property manager, the key is, at least for you, is in the technology and being as efficient as possible. And you went through the different technology platforms that you use, the rentapplication.net, Appfolio, and Happy Inspector. And then the five things to look for in a property management company, the fee structure, number one, repair maintenance system, number two, rent collection, number three, make sure you know where those late fees go and make sure they go in your pocket, not the management company, number four, inspections, and number five, insurance. And you gave a lot of great tips within each of those. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Joe. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Running your real estate investments as a business is an important ingredient to your success. Pillars of Wealth Creation Podcast will help you get there. Host Todd Dexheimer interviews successful entrepreneurs to discover how to build financial freedom with a focus on business and real estate. Check out PillarsOfWealthCreation.com and subscribe today.